In Matthew chapter 24, while speaking on the end times, the Lord Jesus referred to the emergence of the fig tree and prophesied about its presence in the last days. We're in Matthew 24, 32-35, and we're asking, what is the fig tree, and what lesson can we learn from it? Hello, I'm Joe Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. This program is brought to you by the International Disciple-Making Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. You can learn more about us by going to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. In short, we learn from the Old Testament prophets that the fig tree and its fruit speaks of Israel. God was seeking from her the fruit of repentance. Jesus told a parable of a fig tree that was cared for for three years without producing any fruit. The owner decided to give the tree one more year to bear fruit. If it failed to bear fruit, it would be cut down after that year. A year after telling that parable, the Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem on the week of his rejection and crucifixion. And at that time, he cursed a fig tree. And in one day, it withered up and died. A lesson for his disciples regarding the fig tree was just beginning. And then he leaves and he goes out to Bethany. And the next morning he comes back, that's on a Sunday. He comes back into Bethany and now it's a Monday morning. And as he comes back into Bethany, he sees a fig tree. And it has leaves on it. One of the things you need to understand is that the way I understand it works is that the fig tree always produced its fruit first and then leaves. So he goes over to see if there's some fruit on it, even if it's just young fruit. It would have just been young fruit. And he, he goes over to see, and it has no fruit on it whatsoever. And the Lord Jesus pronounces a curse on that fig tree. He says, may you never bear fruit again. And then he walks on by. He goes into the city. He pronounces some further statements and judgment over the nation of Israel and its leadership throughout that day. He leaves that day. Goes back to Bethany. Tuesday day morning, he's walking back into the city of Jerusalem again with his disciples from Bethany. And they see that same fig tree, and it's dead. It is dried up from the roots. It's withered away. The one miracle of the Lord Jesus throughout his ministry that brings destruction is the miracle of the fig tree that he pronounces over the fig tree. During a week in which he's pronouncing judgment on the leadership of Jerusalem over and over again to such an extent that they crucify him. Because of their failure to produce repentance. Peter says, Master, look, the fig tree you've cursed is withered. So Israel is in view there too. He's making the statement of what's taking place. They have not repented. The year has gone by. He has fertilized it with truth and he's continued to teach it, but they've not repented and they're about ready to be cut down. Now, one day, maybe two days later, he's back in the temple teaching. He pronounces all of his woes against the leaders of Israel. He pronounces a series of woes. You see that in Matthew chapter 23 and chapter 24 at the very beginning. He tells his disciples that the temple is about ready to be destroyed and not one stone will be left upon the other. And they come to him asking when these things will take place and what will happen. So do you you see the progression here? Israel is the fig tree. God is wanting the fruit of repentance from her. She has not produced that precious fruit. She's cursed. She's about to be cut down or removed. The disciples know the parable that Jesus told the year before. They witness the miracle of a living parable of the cursed fig tree. They are told of the destruction of Israel in the temple. They're told of another great desolation of Jerusalem that's coming at the end of the age. Both involve the treading down of the city by foreign powers. Both result in grave suffering for the Jews. The fig tree is cursed. It's withered. It's to be cut down. And then the Lord Jesus gives us this parable. And the parable of the fig tree. It may be a warning. Keep your eyes open. It may be there's a sign here in all this. 
but Israel is the fig tree. Israel shall be the tender tree that will once again be planted in Jerusalem at the end of the days. And the man of lawlessness or sin will rise up, and Antichrist shall rise up at that time to be worshipped in the temple. And he will turn his attention at that time on the destruction of the Jews. And here's what Jesus is saying. When you see these things happening, you know that the end is near. It's at the very gates. It's about ready to come upon you. In other words, God's kingdom program still includes the Jews. God's kingdom program still includes those who he has cursed and the withered fig tree. He's bringing it back into the land. Now the question is, one last question real quickly. What is the generation that shall not pass away? What is the generation that shall not pass away? If we understand all these things, we should see then that it's the generation that sees these things. It's the generation of Jews who are in Jerusalem and believers who are in the world at that time who endured the rage of the Antichrist and they should know that regardless of the energies that he is going to pour out to seek their destruction, he will not succeed. He will not overcome. The generation that he is against and that he opposes will not be wiped out by him. There will be those who remain. If you've seen these things, then you know that your generation is going to endure and you will see these things. The Lord Jesus will soon be coming in the cloud for your rescue and to bring judgment upon those who seek your ruin. You be encouraged. Don't be deceived. You endured the end. You believe my word. You believe my word and you trust in me. Now, Listen, Jesus tells them, I'm not speculating about these things, although I may, to some extent, be speculating here, folks. He is not speculating about these things. We know that those who see these things coming upon them will fully understand exactly what it was the you of this text will be seeing and exactly what he meant. They'll see it before their eyes. And his word will be fulfilled completely and faithfully, and it will come to pass and... At that time, there will be great persecution and there will be great tribulation and there also will be great deliverance because his purposes and his word will prevail. It can't be denied. Here are some conclusions for us through all of that. The conclusions go something like this, just two. The first one would be to take away for ourselves, both of these for ourselves, for us in this time. The first one is this. Jesus' language allows for James and John and Peter and us to put ourselves into this setting. It allows for us to put ourselves in that moment, in that time, in that horrific time in history. And the question is, run the drill. Will you trust him? Will you trust him before these things? Right now, we're going through our own challenges, our own struggles, but nothing like this. Nothing like this. Are you losing heart yet? Are you going to weary yourself when you're running along the side of the Jordan or will you now be tired if you have to run with the horsemen? So one of the prophets asks a question like that. Will you trust him? Will you rest in him? Will you know and believe that in spite of all these things he has his purposes and that he will accomplish them and that he will come and he will deliver us and he'll call us home even though we experience difficulty and hardship? Go to Luke chapter 21 for just a moment. In Luke chapter 21, the Lord Jesus is giving a message. It's, this is the parallel account in which he's preaching this message to his disciples. And as he presents them this need to trust him and endure in the midst of the challenges and difficulties they're going to face. And they are in their own day and age going to face very real and difficult challenges. And yet there's even something more horrific that's coming down the pipe down later on in the ages. But look what the Lord Jesus says in verses 16 through 19. It's almost curious. It's almost laughable. And yet he says this, you will be betrayed 
even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. They will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all for my namesake. They will put some of you to death. Did you see that? They will put some of you to death. Just kind of hang on there for a moment if you're reading it. They will put some of you to death. They'll put some of you to death, and you'll be hated by all for my namesake. But not a hair on your head shall be lost. Oh, wait a second. You just said they're going to put some of us to death. But not a hair on our head will be lost. By your patience, possess your souls. Jesus is basically saying you're going to be betrayed. Some of you are going to be put to death. But trust me. Endure down to the point of martyrdom and even death. Trust me. I've numbered all the hairs on your head. And I'll raise you up. And when I raise you up, not one of your hairs are going to be missing. Trust me in all the difficulty. Trust me in all the trials. Endure. Rest in my word. I know what's coming. You can count on me. Run the drill. Run the drill. Even allow yourself to go to that hour and that age and that challenge and that difficulty. Run the drill. Are you going to believe in him? Are you going to trust in him? Do you believe he has a plan for you? He has a plan for you and he has a plan for the nations. And here's the other part. Whatever trials that evil people bring against God's people, they will not overcome God's purposes. They won't succeed in wiping out God's people. Christ has declared that he'll build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's promised it. His words will endure. Count on it. And God has promised a place in his kingdom for all the nations that will bow before him one day from every tongue and every tribe and every nation. And that includes Israel. He has a promise designed for the Israel too. The enemy may hate them as the chosen people of God, but God has a plan for them. And one day that plan shall be fully kept. The tender fig tree with leaves that will face the brunt of demonic destruction will still be a people on the earth when Jesus returns. The destroyer will not wipe them out. They will see Christ coming in the clouds, bringing with him his rescue. And when they see him, they'll mourn and they'll repent. And they'll bring to him the fruit he longed to see in his first coming. And he'll rescue them. He'll be a savior to them, a deliverer to those who receive him unto themselves. And so shall we. That's God's program. What program are you committed to? When your life is all discombobulated, when everything is going wrong, you're about ready to give up, what program did you give yourself to? God says, give yourself wholly and commit yourself wholly to my program. I'm ruling over all things. Endure to the end. The very table we are going to participate in is a surrender ourselves to God's program. The Bible says that we eat this bread and we drink this cup in remembrance of what Christ did for us, but it also says that we are to proclaim the Lord's death and eating it until he comes. And then the Lord Jesus says when he comes, we'll eat it with him in the kingdom. It's declaring a program that will prevail. It's a program that prevails through suffering and difficulty and hardship that we are called into as well. But trust me, trust me, he says, my word is true. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. We sing the song, we rest on thee, our shield and our defender. We go not forth alone against the foe. We praise you, O God, that you go with us. 
Your word goes before us and precedes us. Every difficulty, every challenge, we hear you saying, did not I tell you it would be so? But I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Some shall be put to death, but not one hair on your head will be lost. Trust in me. God, we thank you that what we read and hear as promised for ourselves as individuals is secure for us in the recognition that what you promised and what you gave to nations will be fulfilled. You'll keep your word to them. You'll keep your word to Israel. You'll keep your word to us. Our redemption, their redemption, will enhance the ongoing praises of eternity in heaven. That day when we'll enter into the kingdom with you together. Oh Lord, we long for that day. Your program answered and fulfilled. Feasting with you at this table. (laughs) Rejoicing in what you've done for us. Help us to live in light of those things. Give us courage and boldness and faith. Wherever trial we go to, to trust in you. We pray in Jesus' name. I want to direct you now to a different website at the end of our broadcast than I usually do. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 commands that the Christian test themselves to see if they're in the faith. In answer to this command and with the desire to bring Christians into a sound and true assurance of saving faith, we've developed a website and a book for this purpose. Go to savingevangelicals.com and take the test and order the book by the same name, Saving Evangelicals. I can't think of a more important book for our day. Again, thanks for listening to The Bread of Life. Until the next time, may God bless you.